everyone. I'm Kelly Mobeck, a coach and a leadership trainer, and I'm super passionate about helping you find out who you are authentically as a leader, own it, and go out and make an impact in your life and the lives of others. This world needs your leadership, your gifts, your unique brilliance, and I believe that real leaders don't wait, they create. I know firsthand that life is gonna throw us curveballs, that we're gonna doubt our greatness, our ideas, and our contributions. And my goal is that you believe in yourself beyond reason, and I get to be a coach and a champion for you each week so that you feel inspired, motivated, and most important, in action toward your unique impact in this world. So let's jump in. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This is Coach Kelly, and you know what time it is. It's celebration time. That's right. Today, well, really tomorrow, May 4th, but today, because it's Monday, we are celebrating our one-year anniversary of Let's Be Honest Before We Start Pretending, where you are taking the lead in your life every single week, and I am here for it. Thank you so much for listening, subscribing, and sharing with the people in your life. I am incredibly grateful. We're in season two, and I want to thank all the amazing guests and all the incredible conversations we have had along the way. They have been so inspiring, and they have assisted so many people to take the lead in their life. So you know what else is kind of cool? We are listened to across the globe, and that to this day, still blows my mind. So in honor of our one-year anniversary, we're going to give one lucky listener a $100 Amazon gift card. Hello, who doesn't love Amazon? And here's how you get it. You just have to subscribe if you haven't already and leave a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. Now, if you have an an Android and and or don't listen on Apple Podcasts, you can play too. All you need to do is write me a review that we can leave on the website. And you know what? Subscribe to whichever platform you listen to. Send it to me and you will be entered in for a drawing too. Okay? There are so many ways to play. There are so many, whether you're an iPhone, Android, doesn't matter. So many ways to play. I am so grateful and we'll be pulling one lucky winner for the $100 Amazon card. So how fun is that? It's so fun. Okay, we will be doing this all throughout the month of May and the details for the contest will be in the show notes. And you know what? Let's kick it up a notch. I just thought of that. Let's just kick it up a notch. The first 10 people to play. We're all about urgency here, right? Well, you guys are going to get an extra entry for the Amazon card. So let's go. Okay. Again, we'll be in the show notes. And thank you so much for listening. From my heart to yours, I am incredibly grateful. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. I got some questions for you. How many dieters do we have out there? How many of you get frustrated with diets that aren't working for you? I know I'm raising my hand. Just saying. How many would love to have a lifestyle that supports their optimal health? Yes, please. My guess is there are a lot of you out there, and today's episode is for you. I am so excited to bring on my new friend and the amazing Kara Trakta. She is a registered dietitian, eating coach, and food therapist. Yes, please. 
Let me tell you about Kara. As a former binge eater and self-proclaimed emotional eater who spent years calculating calories and painfully tried to eat perfectly to achieve the social standard of health only to fail time and time again, her own frustration and confusion led her to start a practice to end people's struggle between their food choices, their weight, and their feelings of worth. Kara's goal is to help people end the stressful and guilt-laden eating chaos and realize they can have a healthy relationship with food, eat the foods they enjoy, and not only be healthier, but happier than they've ever been before. Yes, please. She is a wife, a mom of three kiddos who loves feeling good in her own skin. Kara enjoys personal development and being a student of her own mind and body. She loves being outdoors, cooking, reading, bar and yoga class. And can we just pause for a minute? Because the thing that got me is um, talk about a sweet reframe. A student of her own mind and body. How many of you are so intrigued now, whether you're a dieter or not? I know I am. So let's get into this conversation. I am so excited to welcome you, Kara, to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, Kelly. I am doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited. And congrats to you for a whole year of your podcast. Like, that is amazing to have just created this and this following in this community. And I have to say, I absolutely 100% love the name of your podcast because I am all about like stopping the pretending and let's be real and honest about food and health and dieting and what is going on. Thank you. Thank you so much. You guys see why Kara and I became fast friends. <laughs> yes, this is true. This is true. Thank you so much, Kara. I am so, so happy you're here today. And I um I am wondering if you would share your story with our listeners. And where did you start and how did you get here? Tell us everything. Um, so it's been quite a journey. Um I started off going to college to be a nutrition major because I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. Um, where I went to school at Texas A&M in College Station, we food science and nutrition were in a department together. And so for a while, I was actually getting two degrees because food science was really, really awesome. Like it was like understanding how they manufactured foods and um, all like the chemical compounds and foods. It was, it was really fascinating if you're a science nerd like me. Um, <laughs> so I was getting two degrees for a while. And then I met, um, the man who's now my husband. And for whatever reason, like I can admit this now, because at the time I thought that it was, I needed to graduate and contribute something financially to our relationship. But hindsight, I was really scared about graduating with a nutrition degree um, and then becoming a registered dietitian because it was so competitive from a standpoint of like getting into an internship. And I just felt like I was so unworthy of it. And a lot of that had to do with my own personal struggles with weight and body image, um, which we will get into a little bit more. But like even now, like just sitting there and thinking about it, I was scared. I felt like I was just such a fraud and a failure when it came to, to these things, because I struggled and 
And how was I supposed to be the person who went and helped people lose weight? Um, so I ended up not finishing my nutrition degree, finished in food science, and then went to work for a grocery company that's here in Texas and um, was with them for a year and a half and really helped develop and market like own the own branded products. So the, the store is HEB, but HEB branded products. Um, and what I found was it was like right around that health boom where like all of these health food products were hitting the shelf. And like the one thing that I keep coming back to is we developed this diabetic pasta that was supposed to um, slow the release of blood sugar into the bloodstream. And I was like, this is great. No one's going to know how to use it. Right. And it's, so it really kind of like led me back into that nutrition nutrition part of it. I was like, well, we're developing all these things and no one's going to know how to use it. And like, that's what I can do. I can go back and I can help people figure out how to do all of this. So um, I left that job and went back to school for another three years to um, finish my nutrition degree and do my dietetic internship. And um, in the midst of all of that, in my internship, I got pregnant with our daughter and graduated and three months later had a baby. And, um, the, you know, that brought on a whole, a whole nother realm of things, being a new mom and those feelings of, um, gosh, I got to get my body back and, um, I got to lose the baby weight. And, you know, I, I was a stay at home mom and truth be told, I'm still a stay at home mom slash entrepreneur, but just those feelings of, the pressure of like having everything perfect. Well, I stay, I stay at home. So my body should be perfect. Every meal I put on the table should be perfect. I should have the most well-behaved children. My house should be fantastic. And so, so much pressure to do all of these things. And so much of it was, um, the way that I was like my body and how I viewed my body and felt like this is, I got to get this figured out because if, if this isn't figured out, if I don't have that body that society tells me I should have, then I failed at the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. I failed at motherhood. Um, so, you know, when, she, when my daughter was 15 months old, I actually went to work part-time and did oncology nutrition and helped um, cancer patients who had head and neck and GI cancer um, have nutrition. And that, that was a whole nother, just, you want to talk about the opposite of, of dieting? That's oncology nutrition because wow. you, these people are just in the fight of their lives and um, just trying to get them to have enough nutrition to where they can they can beat cancer um, and just that that put a whole new perspective on things for me. Then we had our second son, and before our second son was a year old, I got pregnant with our third son or our third child. He's just our second son, and I was like, okay, now is just not the time. Like, yeah. I can't pursue anything career wise. But in the back of my head, I always knew that I wanted to have my own practice. And that really came from wanting to be mom and be mom first um, to where I could set up my own schedule to, you know, be mom and be a great mom. But there was always this doubt in the back of my head where it was, okay, Kara, well, if you're going to have a private practice, what are you going to do? Because mm -hmm. I, I would tell people, like, I would tell people I want to have a practice, but I don't know that I could help anyone lose weight. Like if someone came to me and said, I wanted to lose this many pounds, I wouldn't know how to help them do that because I could never do it myself. Mm. I struggled with it for so long, but the problem of struggling with it was I, there was no reason for me to ever need to lose that weight because the problem and <laughs> 
it's really funny because my problems with food and my problems with body image um, really didn't come until I started studying nutrition in college. And that, that in and of itself is, is the irony in all of it, because the first time I calculated my BMI and it said I was overweight, I was like, Oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me. I'm never going to be healthy if I don't get this BMI down to a healthy BMI. Right. And so that became an obsession. It became all that I tried, all that I tried to do was I needed to be healthy. I needed to be healthy. My BMI doesn't say I'm healthy. And when you're calculating all these potential patients, BMIs and the calories that they need to eat. And I was like, okay, well, I can do this. I can calculate the calories, but it never worked. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I could ever stick to. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's not a matter of, it's not a, a matter of a lack of willpower for anybody. It's mm-hmm. a, the truth is um, we have a very skewed skewed look at health and, and what those standards of health is. Um, so I, I got lucky. I got really lucky and had to do some continuing education and intuitive eating fell across my computer screen as a black Friday sale for continuing education. I was like, what? all right, I'll do this. What? That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> there um, are no accidents. As I always say, there are no, no. accidents. There's not. And the the crazy thing about it is intuitive eating really was developed in like 1995 Mm -hmm. and I found it in 2018, 2019. And Mm -hmm. it was literally the thing that saved me from myself. It saved me from the obsession about food and the obsession with dieting. And it really was like, okay, I found what my purpose is. I found what my practice is meant to be. And and it, it was the most freeing and amazing feeling ever. And so um, I finally was able to, to start that practice um, last year, right? A week before COVID hit. So um, uh, it's been an interesting year. Amazing. Amazing. I know you guys are loving this. Do you not love Kara's energy and her passion? And I, I'm i sitting here, and she and I can see each other, and I'm like, my mouth is dropping as I'm <laughs> listening to her story. It's just fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so, well, first of all, congratulations, because you're like a year in, right, in your yes. business. That's incredible. Yes. Incredible. So I am curious, can you tell us, why do so many struggle with weight loss and BMI as if, you know, weight is the standard of our health? Well, truthfully, as Americans, we're obsessed with thinness. Um, we equate health with thinness. And so we're in this constant pursuit of being thin because we're told that's the only way to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the thing is, is we jump from one diet to the next in hopes of just pursuing this thinness. And it's not even like thinness is the only equates with health. We equate thinness with, um, desirability, with success, with achievements, um, with, with worth of good things happening in our lives. Um, and this is all because society has put this pressure on us to be thin. It's, it's, I mean, you turn anywhere, social media, um, TV shows. I mean, you name it, we are, it is thrown in our face all the time. The name for that is actually called diet culture. So, mm-hmm. um, you might start hearing that word pop up mm-hmm. a lot more because we're, we're really starting to see diet culture be uh, revealed for what it is. Mm-hmm. But the problem is with weight loss is our bodies were never 
meant to be dieting bodies. Um, and so when we go on these specific diets, whether it's, um, you know, counting calories or counting points or eliminating food groups or, um, you know, the extremes that we have with certain diets that are out there, our body, like we have a brain, right. But our subconscious body that our biology doesn't know that we are doing this on purpose. And mm-hmm. so it relates back to starvation and, mm-hmm. you know, we've had evolution, but truthfully our bodies haven't evolved past, you know, that fight or fight that the caveman had. And right. when they would have to go prolonged periods of time without having food, their body had to, um, to compensate. And that was that biological thing. And when we go on diets, that's what's happening. Our bodies are chronically underfed and we're in a self-imposed starvation. And so most diets I will say will work, but they will only work for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. If you can stick to it. Um, and most of the time people cannot stick to it because they're not sustainable. The rules that are out there, the restrictions are just not something that anyone can stick to. So knowledge is a non-issue. We, if you ask someone, um, is an apple healthier than a cookie, they're going to know that. But the Mm -hmm. thing is that doesn't stop us from wanting a cookie, right? Like food is meant to be pleasurable and enjoyable. So when you put a, when you tell someone on a diet, well, you can't have a cookie, you can't have sweets, you can't have this, you can't have that. It's like everything else in life. As soon as you tell someone you can't have something, that's the one thing that they want. And we think it's a lack of willpower, but diets, like they all operate on this mode of deprivation and restriction. And they just package themselves in different shiny packaging. And I mean, if you go back and you look through the the history of dieting, you'll start to see lots of repeats that have there's been an iteration and then it comes back a couple of years later. Um, I mean, you think about it, like in the nineties, everything was low fat because fat was the enemy. Like right. who did, who didn't live off of a uh, snack rolls, double foods, cake cookies, right? Like <laughs> yes, everybody did. Right. But then what happened was, you know, people started to gain weight back after being on these low fat diets. And then it was like, okay, well, fat's not the enemy carbs are the enemy. So now let's Mm -hmm. go low carb. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to see, well, that's not working either. So truthfully, no diet out there is going to work for, for the long run. And I think the hard part is the damage that comes with that. And we see it physically from, you know, we lose weight on a diet, it's short term, and then you gain that weight back. And most people end up gaining more weight than and they end up at a higher weight than where they started. And that's going to happen with each subsequent diet that we go on. And so you have the physical parts, the physical damage part of it. But I think the worst part is really the psychological and, and emotional damage that comes with that. And just the obsession of food and worrying um, about if I eat this, is it going to make me fat? If I eat this, is it going to make me healthier? Um, we've just gotten to this point where we're just scared to eat anything is what it really kind of seems like because whether we're either scared that it's going to do something detrimentally to our health or that it's going to not help us lose weight, or it's going to make us gain weight. And we just, we don't know where to turn anymore. And that comes with this idea of our health standards and using weight and BMI as that standard of health. Um, I know Kelly, I've told you previously, like 
you know, my BMI says that I'm overweight. My BMI will forever tell me that I'm overweight. I'm five foot one and muscularly built. And BMI, yeah. when you calculate it, never takes into consideration muscle mass. Right. So when I spent years constantly trying to fight the body that I had by trying to get this BMI quote unquote under control, the, the way that I went about doing it and the things that I were doing, I was doing were far worse for my body than the things that I'm doing now. And I, I know that my BMI will never get down to what is quote unquote normal BMI. That's not mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. But the thing, the way that I eat now, the relationship that I have with food, the, the health habits that I have in place are going to far outweigh the benefits to my health than looking at that number of BMI and saying, okay, well, that BMI is, you know, one X against me when it comes to my health or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. That's incredible because I literally am looking at Kara right now, not just face. I can see, I can see her whole body actually. Um, and I would never in a million years ever say you were overweight, that you even remotely look overweight. You know what I mean? I just, my mouth is dropped that the BMI indicates that you're overweight. I'm, you guys, it's, it's, we always say it. It's not about the charts. It's not about, it's not about the charts. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy when, you're here. I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> well, it's just so disheartening when, when we just get so hung up on this number on a scale mm-hmm. and like the, I mean, I, I am sure there's probably a thousand women out there who, who know what this feeling is when you like, mm-hmm you're so obsessed with the number on the scale that you wake up in the morning, just praying that it's going to be a good, a good day, like right. a good day. Right. And you put like all this pressure on that number on the scale and you step on the scale and it's either like this huge sigh of relief or mm-hmm. it's just this like instant deflation. And it set you up just to have this awful day. Like right. we put all our hopes and dreams and in, in this number on the scale and it sucks. Like yeah. it's, it's just, it's, it's awful. Like, yeah. it, and I think the big thing is like, I want people to know that there's another way. There's yes. a different, there's a different, there's a different way. Like if you're the person out there who wants to keep going from diet to diet to diet, that is totally your autonomy. And that is, you know, that's your decision, but I know that there are so many of you out there who are just done with it. Like I can't continue to live this way. Um, you want to change, but you're, you're scared because all you've ever known is dieting and you're afraid that, well, what happens if I stop dieting? Mm -hmm. And then there's always just this, like, I don't know how to eat if I'm not on a diet and there's a different way. There's a, a, a different way. This is, I am so excited about this. So excited. Can you tell us how your approach is different? Can you tell us that? Yeah. Um, so like I said, my practice is really rooted in intuitive eating, which was developed by two dietitians who had um, private patient clients who would come in and who were looking for weight loss. And, you know, they would try the meal plans. And what would happen is a few months into it, these patients would come back and they'd be like, um, I'm sorry, I failed that. Um, so they started to see like, 
wait a minute, maybe there's something, you know, like we can't keep, we can't be that bad at our job is kind of, kind of the way I see that playing out. But just this idea of, okay, maybe it's not us and maybe it's not our clients. Maybe it's the diet. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is we don't fail diets. Diets fail us. They have, they're just set up that way. So my practice from a nutrition standpoint is rooted in intuitive eating. And that's really about healing our relationship with food um, and being able to really put into place tools that allow us to rely on our bodies. So the tools that we use are, um, you know, a lot of people struggle with chronic overeating and that's Mm -hmm. just because we eat by external factors. Like the clock says it's time to eat, or this diet says this is how many calories I can have. And so with an intuitive eating approach, we rely on hunger and fullness cues to dictate when we're going to eat and Mm -hmm. when we're going to stop. And by being able to do that, we prevent that chronic overeating. And when you stop that chronic overeating, you're stopping that um, excess calorie consumption, which then allows your weight to normalize. Um, so we go through and we, we implement tools like that, being able to listen to our bodies um, and be more attuned with our bodies because they really are smart. That's why I'm a constant student of my mind and body. Um, fun fact. That. Yes. Fun, fun fact. Um, every emotion that we have, like that we feel or yeah. that we experience, mm-hmm. it will manifest itself physically in our bodies in some form or fashion. A lot of us don't know that that happens. And a lot of us can't really feel when that physical expression of, of emotions. And so that's something that we work on as well. Um, because then that plays into being, uh, being able to help with the struggles of emotional eating. Like I said, I was a self-proclaimed emotional eater. Most of us will be self-proclaimed emotional eaters. And, and, um, by being able to use these cues that our body gives us, we can, we can learn to build emotional muscles that don't, that don't keep us turning to food first. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes, yes, we, we use that. We learn to use that as a cue that, okay, my body is trying to tell me something's going on and I might just need this food to allow me to, you know, back off the ledge a little bit. But I know that I have these other, these other mechanisms in place to be able to, to deal with my emotions. Um, and then I think the scariest part of intuitive eating is the making peace with food. So we all have those forbidden foods, the ones that we tell ourselves we can't have because we feel out of control around. And in intuitive eating, we take the tools that we we put into place and we use that to make peace with these foods. Mm -hmm. And what we find, what ends up happening is that when you allow yourself the permission to have whatever food it is that you're wanting, those forbidden foods, no longer become obsessive. Mm. You, you, they're not consuming every thought of every day. It's like, oh, I want an Oreo. Okay, I'm going to have, you know, one or two Oreos, whatever my body says would be satisfying, not half a package. Because, mm-hmm. because what happens is when we're in that dieting mode, we, we, there's always that trigger for like, okay, I, I'm going to have this food that I know I shouldn't have, but I'm going to have it. And so then it's like, it's literally called the what the hell effect. Well, what the hell? I blew the diet anyway, so I might as well just keep eating this. And then Mm -hmm. it just becomes this like vicious cycle Mm -hmm. that you can't, you can't get out. And then you, you find yourself swearing off these foods again and saying, 
I got to get this under control and the diet starts Monday and, and yeah, so intuitive eating is none of those things. It's really about finding um, a sustainable approach to eating that allows you to eat healthy because you will eat healthy foods. You know, you will feel better. Like you will feel those things in your body because you're eating healthier foods. You will feel better. Um, but you also get to enjoy foods just because you enjoy them and nothing is, nothing is restricted. And, um, it's so, it's so freeing. Um, but my practice takes it a little bit further than just the intuitive eating piece, because what I've seen with clients that I've worked with is, and, and me personally too, when you get the food thing figured out and you're not spending every minute of every day obsessing over what you're going to eat, um, it frees up a lot of mental space for you to want to work on other areas of your life. And that includes things like self-care. So we talk a lot about self-care and implementing daily self-care activities, because if we can do something for ourselves every single day, and it doesn't have to be a big thing, five, 10 minutes, when you start to do these little things, they all build up on themselves and then you're feeling better. You're feeling better mentally. You're feeling better physically. You're feeling better about yourself. Your perception about yourself has changed. Um, And then we also talk about um, stress management and sleep um, and just kind of taking this into this this approach to whole person well-being. So there's there's dietitians out there who only focus on the intuitive eating part and the nutrition part, and that's that's fantastic. And it's great to, to have this movement and to see so many other dietitians out there working in this space. Um, but I like to, to bring in these other parts of it and really focus on that whole person well-being. I love that so much. And I think that um, it's so funny because I've had a few guests on here and they're, the passion is self-care. Like I feel like there's a movement about self-care happening right now. So the fact... And, I, and I'm just going to put it out there, like, let's keep that movement going. I love that you bring that in. So it's not just the intuitive eating, which I am super curious about and super excited about. And we're going to tell you guys how you can find out more about intuitive eating in just a couple minutes. But I love so much, Kara, that you bring in self-care because I don't know what it is, but like somewhere along the way, we forgot about that. Right. And so I just love that you bring that in. And I think that that makes what you do in your practice so distinct. And you're blending those two together for such an amazing approach to having this lifestyle. Right. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent, like being a stay at home mom, um, my self-care was really lacking a hundred percent. Yeah. And when I started to take notice of that and just try to do things that, like I said, when the, when the eating part got figured out, it was like, okay, I now can focus on like, okay, I'm not showing up as the mom I really want to be. I am impatient. I um, can somewhat feel resentful towards my spouse because he goes to work every day and he has a hobby. And while I love being home with my kids, I wasn't taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. And just like the word health has been hijacked to mean something that to, to it's been hijacked. Like if you look up health, like the way we perceive health is not what health actually 
means. Like we have taken it and really equated it to thinness and dieting. Right. Um, and really, we, we it's only the physical part. We really focus yeah. on only the physical and we need to focus on the emotional and the mental part of it. Um, but just that self-care piece was, was really lacking. And when I, when I could free up that space from the eating perspective, these other things became a priority for me. Um, and it really changed, it changed my relationships, like mm-hmm. how I showed up. I had way more patience. Um, I, um, wasn't as resentful because it felt like I finally had a seat at the table where I could be like, okay, honey, I know you go to work every day, but it's not like I don't, I'm not doing anything all day. So there's going to be times that I want to go do something for myself and that's going to have to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know, I know not every person has that opportunity in their relationship for whatever reason, but I would say that if you do, um, and you, you feel like you could ask for, for things for yourself, that making that investment in yourself um, will be more of, more than just an investment in yourself. It'll be an investment in, in your relationships, um, in you as a mom, um, in pursuing your dreams from a career standpoint. And I think that that's really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And amen. I am, I am saying this is so, I am so, I'm so happy we met. I'm just telling you, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think that, Somewhere along the way, and especially for women, I don't, you know, for women, we really did make up that, and and a lot of times, um, whether you're a mom or not, like it, we just somewhere made up that it wasn't okay to take time for us and invest in ourselves and take care of ourselves. And we've got these great ideas and big dreams that we're up to that we want to do. And if we're not taking care of ourselves, well, I mean, we're not going to have the energy to do it. And and our mindset's not going to be there either, right? And so I think that that's why that self-care piece that you bring in is so incredibly important. And I am really, really excited and here for that. No joke. No joke. That's incredible, Kara. I know that you have a master class a free masterclass, by the way, that starts today that addresses all of this, right? Yes. 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 It's and free. It's five days. It's investing in yourself. Yes. Yes. And anyone can jump in right now. And even let's say they're listening to it at any time during this week, they could still jump in, right? Can you tell us about it? Can you give us some details? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's called five dates to ditch dieting. Hello. Uh, yeah. Um, and you can kind of think of it as like a crash course into intuitive eating. So it doesn't cover, there's 10 principles of intuitive eating. It doesn't cover all of them, but what we really focus on is, um, the first day is all about understanding the diet, the damage that dieting causes the biological, physical, psychological, emotional, all of that damage. Um, and, and really understanding that like this is why diets do not work. And we'll go into depth as to like what's going on in the body and why like this is just, your body's going to fight it every single time you try to do it because your body is so good at wanting to regulate your weight that it's going to do everything it can to fight you on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second day is all about understanding what kind of eater you are, or what your eating personality is. So we, when we tend to struggle with eating, um, there's usually some characteristics that fall into place that, um, 
are the areas that we struggle the most. So things like um, being a distracted eater, being an emotional eater, being someone who cannot not eat food if it's just there in front of you. Um, so that day is really all about looking at these different traits, these different eating personalities. So you can understand what areas you struggle the most, because if you can understand what areas you struggle the most, then you know where to put your efforts into. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of leads into, I created a quiz. It's based off of some work by um, some researchers who ha- developed the intuitive eating quiz. Um, but I created a quiz. Um, Kelly's going to put that in the show notes. So anyone who wants to go take this, what kind of eater quiz you, what kind of eater are you quiz? I highly recommend it. Um, even, even if you're not able to join the master class, if you're listening to this months later, like it's going to be there and it's great because it'll help you identify your area of struggle. Mm-hmm. And then I give you, um, some like three top, my top three tips of what to start changing, um, to help you in these areas of struggle. So definitely check out the the quiz. Um, so that's the second day of the master class, And then the third day is all about, I like to call it finding your inner, your inner food zen. And we're really going to focus on um, mindful eating and how mindful eating can help us with um, becoming more attuned with our body. Things that we can do at each meal to um, allow our bodies to to work properly, meaning like if we take a little bit more time to eat, our body will send the signal to the brain that it is full and we will be able to stop without getting to that point of being uncomfortably full. Um, so the second day is really all about mindful eating and, and tips to make mealtime a success. So you can start making changes, um, that day if you tend to struggle with distracted eating, but truthfully mindful eating would be beneficial for anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the fourth day we're talking about emotional eating, um, and really understanding, um, what plays into emotional eating and how we can build, um, our emotional muscles, um, and, and be able, like I said, to, not always feel like we have to turn to food first when we're on this kind of emotional roller coaster. And then the fifth day is all about body image um, and really understanding that while you may never love your body and you may not like parts of your body, your body is the only home that you will be living in for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And we have to find ways to be able to take care of it and treat it with respect mm-hmm. because you will be forever at war with your body and it will forever fight you if you don't find ways to take care of it, even if it's not something that you can ever imagine loving. Because body image is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, body dissatisfaction has kind of become the norm in our society as well. So um, it's very personalized and it's very, it's a very individualized struggle because we can see that with people of all, of all bodies, you know, um, people who you would look at and you're like, well, why would they not like their body? But it's really all about about self-perception. So that's the five days of the masterclass in a nutshell. Um, I, I would love for anyone who is curious or who is ready to say like adios to dieting, Mm -hmm. um, to, to, to hop in, um, Kelly's going to put the link for that in the show notes as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so it does, start today, but you can jump in at any point in time and catch all of the replays. That's amazing. And also you have a Facebook group, right? That people can join. And that is also everything 
is going to be in the show notes, you guys. Everything will be on my website. Um, So we'll have all of that information because Kara is a wealth of information and a huge heart committed to um, ditching the dieting. I am... I'm all in. I'm all in for that. I am. I have one more question. Can you, do you have okay. a minute for one more question? I sure do. Awesome. What would you, I love to ask guests, what would they tell their younger selves starting out? <clears throat> and I'd really love to hear from you. What would you tell your younger self struggling with body image? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's really kind of funny because I'm afraid I might cry about this one. Um, Gosh, it was such it was such a struggle, and it's hard it's hard to know what I would tell myself. But what like my biggest like the biggest like oh, I don't even know what how to describe this. Like the biggest downfall that I have ever had with my body image was on my wedding day, wow. and that was so so hard. What happened was, you know, I got engaged. We were getting married in six months. And like most new brides out there or soon to be brides out there, you're like, I got to get, I got to get into that wedding dress, right? Like got to look good on my wedding day. I got to be this certain size. And so started the dieting, started working with a personal trainer. And truthfully, if you, if I think about it, I go back and I look at it like, I should have known then dieting didn't work because it wasn't anything that I could really stick to because at 23 years old, like, yes, I wanted to go out and have margaritas with friends on the weekends that didn't, you know, that doesn't work with my diet. Like if you know me, margaritas and queso are my love language. But, um, (laughs) what happened was like, I gained 15 pounds a month before our wedding day Mm -hmm. and it, it scarred and it like, it ruined that day for so, so long. Um, I would look back at pictures and I I can remember on that day feeling like I just wasn't a beautiful bride because I wasn't in this body that I thought I needed to be in that I, that, you know, society told me that I should be in. And I was like, you know, all of my bridesmaids are skinnier than me. And like, why would this man want to marry me? Because my body looks like this. And, um, it's, it's, it's funny. I, I still try on my wedding dress every, every year on my anniversary. And for the longest time, it was always about, I just got to make sure it fits. Mm-hmm. And the last year was really different for the very first time I put on my wedding dress just for the pure joy of seeing the look on my kids' faces. Cause they didn't see me on that day to, to, you know, walk into the living room and, and have my husband look at me like in my wedding dress and for, and really be able to appreciate the way that he looked at me because it's still the way that he looked at me on that, on our wedding day is the same way that he looks at me now, but I didn't see it then. Mm -hmm. And it was because I was so consumed with body dissatisfaction and thinking that I needed to change my body in order to feel worthy, in order to feel loved, in order for good things to happen in my life, that it it hung on to one of the greatest days of my life. Mm-hmm. Now I can look back in pictures and see something completely different. But um, you know, I, I just it's hard to tell my younger self 
to go back and do something different because I think if I, if I would, I wouldn't be where I was today mm. and I wouldn't have had that growth mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have been able to really find the gratitude and the struggle that I had because, because of that struggle, I get to be a voice of change. Yeah. And, and so while I would like to go back and, and change that, what I know is that I will not pass on a dieting legacy. Mm-hmm. I will not pass on a body image legacy to my daughter. Mm-hmm. And, and that and that's important to me. I will not pass that on to my sons. They will not look at women and, and think that they are any less worthy of love or success or admiration or appreciation because they're, they're in a bigger body or because their body doesn't meet some societal standard of, of, you know, I don't even want to say health because it's not health. Right. Um, and I get to be that change. Yeah. So I don't know that I go back and tell myself to do it differently because, because it's brought me to where I am. And I've had such remarkable reflections to see yeah. this growth and to see this change and just know that, that I get to be the voice of change going forward. I think that is incredible. And it sounds to me like what you might be saying to your younger self is, listen, honor the struggle because there's purpose in that and you will make a difference. That's that's what I'm hearing. And that's what you're doing. Okay. And I totally love, I like I, I, the tears when you were like, and I got to walk out in my wedding dress and actually see the look on my husband's face, the same look from our wedding day and the joy in my children's. I have goosebumps <laughs> when I'm this this is incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and what you do with 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 human beings. Being human is what I'm hearing. And I I am personally very very excited for the masterclass. I have signed up. So you guys come join me. I find this so fascinating and interesting. I love Kara's approach. Kara, you are incredible. I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your really busy day to come and be with us on the podcast and share what you're up to and sharing your story with us, which I literally still have goosebumps, literally. (laughs) So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I can't wait. I will see you in the masterclass for sure. Yes, yes, yes. Um, You guys, just like Kara said, I am going to drop all of her information in the show notes and on the website. I would love for you to come and join me in her masterclass. And if you're, you know, podcasts are evergreen. You might be listening to this a year from now. If this spoke to you, which I bet it did, you can jump into her Facebook group and you'll be able to reach out to her and and really get that support that I think is so amazing. It's like a breath of fresh air, Kara. It's a breath of fresh (laughs) air that you're bringing in. Thank you for being here. I'm so grateful. Thanks for having me. Um, I, I, I just appreciate the opportunity to share my story and the, the opportunity to maybe reach someone else out there who has struggled the same way I did and just let them know that, um, like you said, there's purpose in the struggle and, and it'll, it'll make a difference one day. Absolutely. It's making a difference. It's already <laughs> making a difference. 
Absolutely. All right, you guys, remember, we have a choice to lead our life or follow our circumstances. And life's about knowing your passions, your purpose, values, and creating an impact in your life and the life of others. And who emerges from taking the lead in their lives? Well, they're going to be authentic. They're going to be vulnerable. They're going to be courageous, committed beyond reason, and really honoring the struggle that they've had so they find that purpose and make the difference and be that change that they definitely want to see. A lot of like what we heard from Kara today. I just, she's so refreshing, so refreshing. (laughs) So remember, we get to trust that more will be revealed as we move forward. And remember, take a pause, let go of worry, let go of doubt, and live fully the best version of yourselves. I want to thank you all so much for listening today and for the past year. They say it's our anniversary. It's true. Don't forget about that um, Amazon gift gift hundred dollar Amazon gift card giveaway. Say that five times fast. I can't <laughs> wait to find out which one of you are going to win that. And so, for more resources, also to find Kara, and if you have any questions or topics you want to address, visit me at kellyjmelbeck.com. Remember, subscribe, rate, review this podcast, and share it with the people in your life so we can take the lead together. Um, let's see. I think that's it. I want you all to have a great week ahead. Have a great month ahead. And if it's not shaping up the way you want it to, take the lead and create a fantastic one. I'll talk with you all next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of Let's Be Honest Before We Start Pretending. For more resources on taking the lead in your life, head over to kellyjmobeck.com and connect with me on Instagram at Coach Kelly Mobeck. If this episode was helpful for you, please feel free to share it with friends, rate and review it on iTunes. That's Apple Podcasts now. And at any time, feel free to connect with me and let me know what you want to hear next or what you're working on. I'm happy to help. Thanks again for listening. And here's to you taking the lead in your life.